Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is Yasin Arshad and welcome back to the Deen Ilm Chronicles podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be going over the summary of Surah Quraysh. Now, I promise if you stick with me until the end, you will absolutely have your mind blown from a completely different understanding of Surah Quraysh in a way that it is connected to other suwar. Again, suwar is the plural of the word surah. If you missed out on the episode where I talked more about that, check out episode one. But again, we're going to be connecting this surah to Quraysh to other surah of the Quran. And in, so you're going to see it in a way that you have never ever understood it before. And furthermore, we're going to be going word by word. And the reason why this is so critical is so that way when you are actually praying salah, you can actually feel the meaning of each and every single one of the words that you are saying. And so that is why it's going to be so critical for you guys to stick with me throughout the length of this podcast episode here today. And so, inshallah, when we go over Surah to Quraysh, Surah to Quraysh is uh, Surah number 106 in the Quran. Now, this is a Makki Surah. Makki Surah, now I'll probably make another whole podcast episode about this, is that all of the Surah in the Quran can be divided between Makki Surah and Madani Surah, which means that they were either revealed in Mecca or they were revealed in Medina. Okay, and so depending on what classification they are in, usually there are certain themes that are attributed to the type of surah and where it was revealed. And so in this case, it is a Makki surah. Now, one of the important distinctions that my teacher made is that whenever he teaches us, he is giving us what is known as the jumhur of the ulama. Jumhur means that what is the majority opinion of the ulama. So the, the difference between Makki and Madani, there are sometimes there's ikhtilaf. Ikhtilaf means uh, difference of opinion. And so in the case of what my teacher gives us, he always gives us what is the jumhur, what is the majority opinion. And so even if there are some exceptions or some uh, you know one or two scholars who might have a different opinion, what my teacher will give us is what is the authentic knowledge. And if you're not familiar with this, the reason why it's so important to have authentic knowledge in Islam is because this is the crux of what our deen is based on, is having authentic knowledge. Otherwise, we just start to uh, deviate and start into going not having authentic knowledge. And so going back to this surah, this is Surah to Quraysh, which is a Makki surah. Now we're going to dive into what does it actually mean Quraysh, right? This is the name of the surah, which is Quraysh. The question, which is a valid question, which is what does it mean Quraysh? Now, for those of you who don't know, Quraysh is actually the tribe, the Arab tribe of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That is the tribe that he belonged to when he was, uh, when, when he, uh, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was, um, you know, that's the tribe that he belonged to. Now, one important point to mention here is that there is no other surah or no other mention of other tribes except the tribe of Quraysh in the Quran. Now this by itself can show us the the power and the izzah and the respect that uh, Islam and the deen and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has honored him sallallahu alayhi wasallam by mentioning his tribe in the Quran. Now what does the actual linguistic meaning of Quraysh means, right? So we understand practically the Quraysh is a tribe of him sallallahu alayhi wasallam is a tribe that he belonged to. The word Quraysh though from a linguistic standpoint, some ulama have said that it comes from the word Qirsh, which basically means shark. Um, that is just one opinion, right? It is a symbol of bravery. Which in and of itself is very uh, interesting. My own evaluation of this, if you take the word Qirsh, which is Qaf, uh, qaf, ra, sheen, and you put it backwards, it's actually sheen, ra, 
qaf, which it says shark. It's shark, which is interesting. <laughs> and then uh, the other meaning on this is, um, you know, some ulama have said that Quraysh means uh, bravery, right? It means being brave. Uh, it also refers to people who take care of others. Um, those are some of the linguistic definitions behind the word Quraysh. Um, in terms of why was the Quraysh tribe different than other tribes? So if you don't know this, in the Sirah, Sirah is the, uh, the, the historical and biographical um, uh, ilm is the, is the knowledge of that accounts the life of him وسلم. So in the Sirah, in the, the school of, in the knowledge that documents the life of Rasulullah the Quraysh was actually the tribe out of all of the tribes of the Arabs at that time that was given the authority and the charge of taking care of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which was the Kaaba. And so even before Islam, the Quraysh were actually known as Ahlullah. They were actually known as the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is very interesting. It is very, very interesting, right? Now, an important distinction here, and I'm probably making a separate episode on this, is that there's a difference between mushrikeen and kafirin. The Arabs before the time of Rasulullah wasallam, before Islam, they were not kafirin. They did not disbelieve, right? Kafir is somebody who disbelieves in Allah. The, the, the Arab, they were not kafirin. They were actually mushrikeen. Mushrik is somebody who attributes partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so what that means is that the Arabs, and a lot of people don't know this, is that the Arabs in before the time of Islam, before the time of Rasulullah they were actually believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their problem, however, was that they were attributing partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so that is why they were still called Ahlullah because they still had faith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala existed. And so the few people who uh, were living at the time before Rasulullah who actually only and solely believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were very few. Abu Bakr was amongst those people. So that is why they were called Ahlullah even before the time of Islam. Now the other question that might rise up is how do we differentiate, how do we determine whether or not somebody is from the tribe of Quraysh? There's a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in which he said that min waladi nadr ibn kanana which means that those people who were the the, the children or the, the, the grandchildren of somebody by the name of Nadr ibn Kanana. And if you look back at the total complete name of Rasulullah you can actually type this in, you type in the full name of Prophet Muhammad you will see that it goes Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn, ibn Muttalib ibn, uh, ibn Hashim ibn Abdi Manaf ibn Qusay ibn Kilab Ibn Maratun ibn Ka'ab, right? It goes, it goes back and then it goes to a gentleman by the name of Nadr ibn Kanana. And so what Rasulullah is saying here in this hadith is that as long as anybody has that name Nadr ibn Kanana, right? Their lineage goes back to that person, then that person is somebody who is a part of the tribe of Quraysh. And so that is kind of the overview of the surah that I wanted to go over here, which is uh, what does it mean Quraysh? Who are the Quraysh? Um, you know what, what were their what was their title before the time of Islam? So what we're going to go now into is we're going to go into the first ayah of Surah to Quraysh. Okay, and so this is going to be very fascinating. I think this is going to be an absolute brain a game changer for you guys in terms of understanding this because some of the concepts that are mentioned in Surah to Quraysh are very abstract. And so when we read this surah. It's very difficult for us as non-Arab speakers, and even honestly, even for Arab speakers, because the truth is that very few um, Arab nowadays are truthfully understanding the actual meaning of the Quran. And so when you go into this first ayah, 
I want to break this down word by word by word with you, okay? Because sometimes it can get confusing here. So in this first ayah, if you look at it in the Quran, and if you have the Quran open with you, I would highly encourage that. If you're not, if you're driving, obviously you can look at it later on. But in this ayah, at first glance, you might say, oh, there are two words. There's the ilaf, and then there's the word Quraysh. But in actuality, there are actually three words here. And this is why sometimes for non-Arab speakers, uh, this can be very challenging because in the Arabic language, what we often do is say cursive language, which means that they actually connect different words together. And so sometimes it can be difficult to differentiate between all of the words that are actually in the ayah or in the verse. And so in this case, the letter lam, right, li'ilaf, in the word li'ilaf, the letter lam, even though we consider it a lam, in the Arabic language, Letters can either be harf ma'ani or harf mabani. If you don't know what that means or if it doesn't make any sense, don't worry about it. I'm going to explain it in detail right now so that way you don't get confused. Is There are letters that are letters by themselves, right? There are, there are, there are letters that make up different words. But then there are also letters that actually have meaning. And so this lamb here that you're looking at, li'ilaf, right? Li'ilaf, that is actually a word in and of itself. And this li... This word, this this word, right? It's very confusing because in English we don't have this uh, this concept of that of of letters being words. But in Arabic there is this concept. And so this letter lamb, when it has a kasra, this lamb. Now that doesn't mean every lamb with a kasra. Some of them could just be typical letters, right? But in this case, this is actually a word that has a meaning. And in this case, it is a word. The meaning of it is that for a purpose. So right? so in the Arabic language, when I say um, you know, I am doing this for li yasin, right? I'm doing this for yasin. Uh, the, the, the word for there, right? In English, we have the word for. However, in the Arabic language, we represent that with the lam, with the kasra. So it becomes li. So in this case, it's li ilaf. So there's three words that are in this actual um, ayah. So there's li, ilaf, and then al quraish or Quraysh, excuse me, al, there's no Al because it's a noun, so it's Quraysh. And so, Li, Ilaf, Quraysh. There's three words that are here, and so we're going to go over each of these three things, these, each of these three words so we can further understand this. So, we have Li, which as I said earlier, is for a purpose or for a reason, for something, right? So, Li, Ilaf. So, for the purpose of Ilaf, Quraysh, right? So, what does this mean, Ilaf? Now, this concept of ilaf, and I think this is why it's going to be such a game changer for you, is because when my teacher was talking to us about this, I understood that this concept of ilaf is a very abstract concept. It's one that even in the English language, you would struggle with understanding it. And what ilaf is, is it comes from the verb, the past tense verb, which is alifa, which basically means that you become accustomed to doing something. Right, you become accustomed to something. Right, yatlif um, that is the present tense. Right, ilafan uh, that is the noun version of it, the act of being accustomed to something. And so uh, the the example that my teachers gave was if we say alifa yasin al halqa. Right, if you say that yasin is accustomed to coming to the halqa, is accustomed to the halqa. Right, uh, in that way you can say that something you're being accustomed to it. And when you're accustomed to something, it is easy for you, it is habitual for you, it is something that you do not find it's painless for you, right? It is very efficient for you to be able to do. And so this concept of ilaf, that's what it means here is that you're being accustomed to something, okay? And so when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, right? We have li, which we said is for a purpose. You have ilaf, is which you're being accustomed to something, Quraysh. And so if you put all of this together, we see here for 
the customization, which I don't think is a word, but I'm going to just go ahead and use it here, is for the, for the tribe of Quraysh being accustomed to something. Now, the question might be, huh, this seems quite incomplete. What is it referring to? The, what it's referring to is, first off, it's referring to the following ayat, which we're going to get to in a second. And just for reference, the word ayat is the plural of the word ayah. So ayah is singular, ayat is plural. And so I'm going to try and define those for you as much as possible. And if I miss any, please don't hesitate to message me so I can go ahead and clarify in future episodes. So these, this first thing is that this li'ilaf, it could be referring to the future ayat that are going to be coming in the second, third, fourth ayah of this uh, of this surah, but also, and this is where I think this is going to be mind blowing for you guys, is that what this surah and what this li'ilaf is referring to is it's also going to the ayah, the surah that is before this one, which if you have the Quran you can look is that the surah that comes before this one because remember in Arabic we go from right to left so the surah that comes before this is the one to the right of this one, which is surah al-fil. And so if you look at this, right, I want, to, I want you to connect this all together. What is Suratul Fil? If you're not familiar with Suratul Fil, we're going to go over it in, uh, in upcoming episodes when my teacher go ahead, goes ahead and explains this to me. Now, obviously, he has explained this to me many times in the past as well. Um, we're going to go into more depth in the future. But uh, I just want to kind of give you a, a reference of this is that Suratul Fil is talking about the army of a man named Abraha. And now there's entire seerah. You know, context behind this, Abraha was somebody who had built a uh, um, uh, uh, a monument in 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 sub-Saharan Africa, and he wanted people to go ahead and worship it, and nobody would worship it. And then what they actually said was, "Oh no, we already um, worship towards a monument which is the Kaaba, which is located in Arabia." And so he said, "Oh, what is this Arabia? I'm going to go and destroy it." And so he took all of his elephants and he took all of his um, his army to go and destroy the Kaaba. Many of uh, you might be familiar with this because it is a story that we learn when we are younger. And so, so the Surah Al-Fil is documenting and Allah Subh'anaHu Wa is talking to us about how he protected the Kaaba and how he destroyed the army of Abraha. Now look at the connection here. Surah Al-Quraysh is talking about the tribe that protects the Kaaba. And Surah Al-Fil is talking about the story of how Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala protected the Kaaba. And so it is not a coincidence that Surah Al-Quraysh comes after Surah Al-Fil. In that way, they are actually connected. Now, we're not going to go into this in this episode, but there is an entire ilm, there is an entire knowledge on how the surah, how the suwar have actually been organized, right? Because the, the suwar that we have in the Quran and in the, in the chronological order that they are in, it is not the same way that it was revealed. And so they were actually organized in a certain uh, in a certain order and in that ilm we learn how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually ordered and gave wahi to Rasulullah on the actual ordering of the surah and so it is not by coincidence that this occurs either. Uh, another example for this, I'm going to be very brief on this because like I said it is a whole nother episode, it is a whole nother ilm, a whole nother knowledge base is Surah At-Tawbah is that Surah At-Tawbah, many of you might be familiar with it, is the surah that is the only surah in the Qur'an that does not have Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim starting on it. Now, one of the opinions that some uh, ulama and mashayikh have is that Surah At-Tawbah is actually a continuation of the surah before it, which is Surah Al-Anfal. Now, this is one of the opinions of it, right? But it is, again, I want to just emphasize here, it is not a coincidence that these surah are coming after each other. There's a connection on how the surah and the chronological order, and there's a hikmah, there's a wisdom for these. Now, some ulama also have gone ahead and said that Surah Al-Fil is, and Surah Al-Quraysh Surat Al are actually one surah. But the reason that is not the case, and the reason why um, the, the majumhur of the ulama do not agree with this, is because we know that 
How we know the difference between one surah is being revealed and another is because Jibreel would come to Rasulullah وسلم, and he would, when he said Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, that is how Rasulullah would know that another surah is starting here. Okay, and so in this case, even though some ulama have said in the Mus'haf of Ubay ibn Ka'ab an, Sayyidina Abu Ubay ibn Ka'ab that you know, they were connected as one surah, the jamhur of the ulama say that no, they are in fact two different surah. But the point being is that there is a hikmah and there is a wisdom behind Surah Al-Fil coming and then it says Li'ilafi Quraysh. For that purpose, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the Quraysh accustomed to it. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected the Kaaba. And then as a result of that, he has given, it is by the grace and protection from Allah, for that reason he has given the, the habit and the custom and the, and, the, and the authority and the obligation for Quraysh to take care of the Kaaba. So he protected it, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Surah Al-Fil. And then we have Li'ilafi Quraysh, in that he, subhanahu wa ta'ala, has made it accustomed to the tribe of Quraysh to be taking care of it. And so you can see here that there is a connection between the previous surah and the surah of Surah to Quraysh. And so that is what I wanted to touch on specifically for the first ayah. Okay, so now putting it all together, we have here an understanding of we say Li'ilafi Quraysh. There's three words here Li for the purpose, Ilaf, which means being accustomed to something, Quraysh. So the tribe of Quraysh is accustomed to what? To taking care of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that in and of itself is an honor and a privilege that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to the tribe of Quraysh. Because imagine here, imagine here for a second, that Ibrahim alayhi salam and his son Ismail alayhi salam, they took care, they were the caretakers of, they're not only the builders, but also the caretakers of the Kaaba. And because of that, because of that honor and that purpose, not only because of that, but also one of the things was because as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them into anbiya, he made them into prophets. And so this taking care of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right, has so much significance in our deen and is very important to point out here. Let's go now into the second ayah. Now again, we see the word here, ilaf, right, we have the word ilaf. And then the, 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 the suffix here is him, H, uh, is not H-M, <laughs> is ha-meem, right? Going from Arabic to English is sometimes a little bit rough. Uh, may Allah subhanahu be pleased with my teacher. I know he always used to um, say that as well, and it's very, very true. So over here, when you look at this ayah, we have, we have ilafihim. Ilaf, which we already know, which means being accustomed to something. And then you have the suffix here, is him, is, is, uh, is ha-meem. Now, whenever you add the suffix, Hamim to something, it, what it does is it pluralizes it. And so in the same way that if I say, um, if I say the word like, um, uh, if, I, if I add something, I, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here, but if I say, if I add uh, Hamim to a, a word, and I'm sure I'm gonna, in future episodes I'll clarify on this, the suffix and prefixes that come in the Arabic language, but whenever you add it, it pluralizes it. And so when you say ilafihim, we know that it's the plural, all of them, now all of the Quraysh, are being accustomed to it. Ilafihim. They're all of them are being accustomed to what? Rihlat al-shita'i wa What does it mean, rihla? Rihla is any sort of journey, right? Any sort of going from point A to point B and then also within a certain time frame, right? So rihla is whenever you say somebody's going on a rihla, they're going on a journey. And then al-shita means winter and wasayf, wow here, is and saif. Okay, so let me break all of this down. And if you're looking, I would highly recommend, I know this is just audio, you're not able to see the visual of what it is that I'm actually uh, looking at. So that's why I would highly encourage you to open up the Quran and look at this. So I wanna break this down here, right? You have ilaf, that's one. 
him, that's one. Rihla, that's another. So now you have three. Ashita, that's four. Wow, wow here is by itself. Even though I know it looks like it's one word, wasayf, it's actually by itself. The wow here is and. Okay, so it's another one. Just like li, we have in the previous ayah, we have li, meaning that it's a separate word. This is another harf ma'ani, which is something that has a, uh, it's a letter that has meaning. So in this case, wow here means and, and then you have asayf. So you have ilaf, him, rihla, ashita, wa sayf. So you have six essentially words or you know breakdowns of this entire ayah. So ashita means winter, wow and sayf means summer. So what does this actually mean? Let's actually, now we've done the word by word, let's go into the actual tafsir of this. So ilafihim, all of them, him, ilafihim, all of them have become accustomed to rihla, the journey of ashita, of winter, wa and sayf, summer. And so what is the journey of winter and summer? And so this is why context is very important because if you just understand the word by word without understanding the tafsir, you won't have a full understanding. Unfortunately, in the past, my teacher would always you know, heavily say, hey, the tafsir is the most important. Alhamdulillah, I've been able to speak to him and talk to him that if we don't understand the word by word, it's impossible that we can connect it to the tafsir. So both are equally important. I want to emphasize here. Understanding the word by word is equally as important as understanding the tafsir, but that does not mean that you understanding the word by word, which some Arabs might be able to understand, that that means you understand the Quran. Okay, so that's why Arabs, even if you understand the word by word, doesn't mean that you understand the Quran because context is very important here. So what is the context here? The rihlat al-shita'i was-sayf, the journey from the winter and the summer, is one in which the Arab and the Quraysh specifically, but the Arab in general at that time, they would take a journey in the winter, a caravan, that would take them over to uh, the, the, it would take them to Yemen And the reason it would take them to Yemen is because um, let, me, let me complete this Is that in the winter they would take a caravan to Yemen And in the summer they would take a caravan to Asham And Asham is another term that maybe it's useful for you guys to know Asham is a region in the uh, Islamic sciences And in history as well That Asham refers to the entire area that was like Syria And like um, you know the Turkey area That entire area, Sham, Palestine All of that near area is known as uh, Asham okay? Turkey not so much, more of like the Palestine and uh, Syria area That is all known as Asham So in the summer, they used to take a trip to Asham and in the winter, they used to take a trip to Yemen. Now, the easy way to remember this is that Yemen, if you know your geography, is actually south. And then Sham is actually north. So in the winter, Sham gets very cold. And so that's why you wouldn't want to go north when it is the winter time. So that's why you go south and Yemen is south. And Wasayf in the summer, you go north. Um, in the summer, you go north because of the fact that it is actually warm during that time. So what does this mean altogether? I know I went into the weeds a little bit there. It means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it a habit, has made it, has made it painless, has made it safe, has made it easy, has made it a custom, right? All of these are words that are in, uh, that is inside of the word ilaf. Has made it easy, a custom, all of this is what I just talked about. The rihlat al-shita'i was safe. Has made it easy for the tribe of Quraysh to be able to take that journey, rihlat al-shita'i was safe, to be able to take that journey to Sham and to Yemen, in those times, he's made it easy for them, right? He has made it so that way people don't, uh, it's, very, it's, very, it's very habitual for them, it's very, very easy for them. People don't disturb them on the way there. We're going to talk more about that in a second as well. The other extrapolation that we can understand for this is that when something is ilaf for you, when something is easy for you, right? The purpose for which you are going on that trip also becomes easy for you. 
And so what is the purpose that the Quraysh are taking this trip for? They're taking it for business purposes, right? They're taking a caravan to go and trade and be merchants, right? And uh, engage in bartering and trade in Asham and in Yemen. And so what we can understand from this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it ilaf, even the purpose by which they are going there is He has made them accustomed to becoming profitable. He has made it easy for them, even their purpose is easy for them. So it's profitable for them to go and do that business. They have, he has made them rich. He has given them wealth. Right? And so from this, you can see just this word ilaf, we start to be able to understand more context. Not only is the trip easy for them, but also the purpose by which they are taking this trip is also very easy for them as well. So, ilafihim rihlata shita'i was And so from this, if I put both ayah 1 and ayah 2 together, we are now basically creating a uh, list of all of the na'am. Na'am is the plural of the word na'ma. Okay, I'm gonna, I use a lot of plurals here. So singular is na'ma, plural of that word is na'am. Okay, that is a plural, so ni'maz, if you want to say it, but that's not correct, and don't say that, that's not correct. It's not ni'maz, it's ni'am. Right, so we're making a list of all the ni'am that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the tribe of Quraysh. So not only has He given them the honor of taking care of His bayt, which is the Kaaba, right, which in and of itself is an honor and is a privilege, people look up to them because of that. On top of that, He has given them a custom uh, they, they, he has made them accustomed to being able to take this trip very easily. The road is safe, the easiness of the journey, right? It's, if you think about it in today's times, they get free hotels and free gas. It's very easy for them to do so. And then on top of that, he has made them wealthy because their purpose of going on this trip is it is a profitable business. And so these are among the privileges and blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now stacking on top of what he has given to the tribe of Quraysh, okay? And so now that is ayah number one and ayah number two. Let's go now into ayah number three. Now ayah number three here says, فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ Now I want to break this down again word by word. فَلْيَعْبُدُوا Again, this is actually a compound word. So we have fa. And then you have al-ya'budu or ya'budu, right? And so here you have fa, and fa in and of itself, again, now this is our third uh, letter that has meaning, okay? So fa in the Arabic language actually has the meaning of so or then, right? It's not like thumma, thumma means like then, but fa means like so, it's like next. So now we have three. We have li, lam with kasra, that is one. We talked about wow, which means and, and now we have fa, which means so. And then you have ya'budu, so we have fa, so this ayah is actually broken up into five um, words or five breakdowns, right? And so you have so, ya'budu, make obedience. Now I want to clarify here, I'll probably make a separate episode on this, is that ibadah, ya'budu, comes, it means ibadah. Ibadah does not mean worship, it actually means obedience. And I'll make a whole separate episode on this in the future time as well. So you have fal ya'budu, so make obedience, rabba, Rabb means Lord. Hada this albayt the house. So so it means altogether. So make obedience to the Lord of this house. That is the, the the translation of this. Okay. And so when we're talking about this, because of all of the naam, because of all of the blessings that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has given you, right? We just stacked those previously. For that reason. Go ahead, and of course there's other blessings other than what is mentioned here, but for that, these specific reasons, and all of the reasons that you have, make ibadah to Rabbah Hadal Bayt. And so this is why it's very important to differentiate here, is that the reason why the Bayt, the reason why the house, right, Bayt means house, 
The reason why the Bayt here means Al-Kaaba, the reason why it has honor and significance is not because of in and of itself. The reason why the Bayt has significance is because it's Rabbah. It belongs to the Ja'alallahu Al-Kaaba Al-Bayt Al-Haram, right? Allah in Surah Al-Maidah, Ayah 97, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us that He has made this Bayt. The reason why it is significant is because it is connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, make obedience to the rub of the house. And so in the same way, let's say for example, and of course the best example is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لِلَّهِ الْمَثَلِ الْأَعْلَى And that's what that means. Whenever I say, لِلَّهِ لِلَّهِ الْمَثَلِ الْأَعْلَى لِلَّهِ لِلَّهِ Again, we learn about that. لِلَّهِ الْمَثَلِ الْأَعْلَى means for Allah is the best example. Okay, and you might hear me say that quite often as well. And so لِلَّهِ الْمَثَلِ الْأَعْلَى But in the same way, if somebody came and visited your house, right? And you let them sleep over, you gave them food, you gave them all of these blessings, right? You gave them, you don't bless somebody, but you know, you gave them all these things that were like, um, you didn't have to give them. But then suddenly they disrespect you and they insult you. That would not be a great way to be able to give shukr and give thanks to the one who has given you so much, right? And of course, like I said, لِلَّهِ الْمَثْلِ الْأَعْلَى But in the same way, in the same example, you, how can you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you all these blessings and then you make shirk and you insult Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you disrespect Him by, uh, um, by putting the idols in His home and by putting idols in the Kaaba, by worshipping the idols. And so what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is delivering a clear message to Quraysh that it should be فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ That you need to make the ibadah and you need to obey and uh, uh, make ibadah to رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ And so you, Quraysh, right, he's speaking to them directly. You give so much significance, you give so much honor uh, and you get so much of your honor from being the caretakers of this house. Why is it then you then disrespect رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ The Lord of the house. And so you can see here how it's a very powerful message that is being delivered to Quraysh and obviously as a result um, going forward as well. And then we're going into ayah number four. Let's break this down again. That's a word by itself. It means the one or he. He or whoever. It means the one. Now again, we are revisited by our old friend, the suffix hum. Hum is plural, right? So here's another example of this. At, um, at'am, right? When you have at'am, when you, when it means like you're, uh, it means food, but you're feeding somebody. At'am, you're feeding somebody. At'amahum is that you are feeding them. Remember I said a hamim, when you add hamim suffix to the end of anything, it becomes plural. So at'amahum is that you're feeding them all. Min, min means from. Ju'a means hunger. Wa, here's our old friend wa, which means and. Amanahum means again hamim, right? So aman means by itself safety. Hum that you have safety for a group of people. Min khawf from fear. And so you can see here when you put it all together, alladhi refers to Allah subhanahu wa taala. He who has fed them from hunger. Wa and amanahum give them safety. Them remember them hum them safety min khawf from fear. And so when you put all of this together, that this is the explanation of who is the Rabb. The Rabb is the one who has given you the sustenance to be able to stay away from hunger. And he's also the one who has given you the safety so that you are not fearing for your life. And so this is another stack onto the ni'am, onto the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to the tribe of Quraysh. That he has given them uh, the food as well as the safety. Now in specific to the safety, what my teacher talked about here was he talked about how um, when they used to travel to Asham, right, in the summer, um, when they go through the desert, 
there used to be people who, and even in today's time we have, you know, when you're traveling in the ocean or you travel alone, you know, there's pirates and those kinds of things. When they used to travel in the desert, there used to be people who were like road attackers, people who used to be like um, attacking the people who are caravans, right? They want to steal and loot all the stuff that they have. Specifically for the tribe of Quraysh, whenever the road attackers would approach the tribe of Quraysh, the Quraysh would say, hey, we are from Quraysh. And so the road attackers would actually not attack them because of the izzah and the honor that the tribe of Quraysh had because they used to take care of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the road attackers being the, you know, the superstitious people that they were, um, and you know, rightfully so, right? They, 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 don't want, they didn't want to be cursed by Allah because they attacked the people who take care of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so because of that, we can see وَآمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفِ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevated them to that level that they also had the safety that they didn't have to fear for their lives or for their caravan or for the, the mal or the money that they were carrying with them because He gave them that izzah and gave them that ni'mah as well. And so from this we can see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking to the Quraysh and He's talking to them about the ni'am and the blessings that He has given them and He's giving them the direct order and now this is me summarizing the entire surah, surah is He has given them the direct order and the practical implications for us now how do we make this relevant to all of us, right? Now that you can understand this you have some understanding of the word by word I would highly recommend looking at the Qur'an if you have difficulty with some of the vocabulary I would highly recommend writing them down um, in the same way Way that you see me being able to rattle off all of these vocabulary it was not the same way for me i was in the same situation that you were always it's just that i just took the time to write down these vocabularies i did it so many times until it became a part of my vocabulary and so i would highly encourage you to do the same so that way you can actually advance your knowledge and um inshallah maybe in the future i uh you know i've, I've used a lot of curriculum in the past to help with that maybe i can put together a curriculum for you guys as well if that would be helpful just let me know shoot me a message and we can definitely inshallah figure out or work around for that. Now, what I wanted to point out is the surah, what does this mean for us now? This also, although the surah is speaking specifically to the Quraysh, the meaning behind this is that how many na'am, how many blessings has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala given us? Right? How many has blessings has He given us that we have uncountable blessings? Right? Especially in the modern era when we look at how much food that we have in our refrigerators. Right, especially if we are living, uh, Alhamdulillah, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, you know, we're living in maybe in countries that, you know, the 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 standard of living might be a little bit higher. We don't have to worry about our safety. We don't. We have locked doors. We're able to have safety it is where we live. We have food. Right? How many blessings has Allah Subhanahu wa Taala given us? And yet we still fail to uh, make the complete or really strive in our ibadah to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and give the shukr into Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So this is one lesson that we can take away from this. The second lesson that we can take away from this is from a macro point of view, right? If we step back and you look at the macro perspective, is that there is a concept of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you are not familiar with this, you can Google it, look at Google images. Basically, a gentleman, uh, he was a psychologist by the name of Maslow, he went ahead and put together a pyramid that basically says that at the very base level of human needs, are the needs of survival, of being able to have food, and being able to not have to worry about your life, right? And then as you take care of these basic needs, you can then start to think about, okay, I need now a spouse, I need now a partner in life. But if your basic needs are not even taken care of, then you're gonna have difficulty even focusing on saying, okay, I need a spouse. Right? And then above that is then thinking, okay, what is that? What am I going to do? What's my purpose of life? What is my higher purpose? There's basically a hierarchy of needs. And so from the macro perspective, the surah is also demonstrating for us how there are macro needs for the insan. 
Because at the end of the day, if somebody does not have their at'amahum min ju'ah, right? If they don't have they don't have the at'am, they don't have the food that is going to protect them from the hunger, and they don't have the the safety to be able to protect them from min khawf, from the fear, then what can you really expect out of that person? Now that is not an that is not an excuse for us to say, oh, we're going to neglect our ibadah. But what that is is it's it's a it's an explanation to say, hey. This is some of the base necessities that need to be taken care of so that way you can do higher level functions that might your organization or your country or your community might require of you. And so as a whole, that is another uh, takeaway that we can get from this surah. And so as a whole, that is the chronicles of Surah Quraysh. Um, inshallah, if I have said anything correct, it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I had said anything uh, incorrect, it is from myself, from my nafs, and from shaitan. I have done my best to go ahead and try and document this um, as I have learned it. And again, this is the summary of Surah Quraysh. I hope you guys found this valuable. Please give me some feedback. Let me know, inshallah, how this is going. I, inshallah, I look forward to catching you guys on the next one. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.